Welcome to the Fear and Greed Business Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Every few months, we check in with Elise Kennedy on the local tech sector to see what she likes, what she doesn't like, and what investors should be thinking about. Remember, this is general information only, and you should speak to a professional advisor before making investment decisions. Elise Kennedy is Head of Technology Research and Director of Equity Research at Jarden. Elise, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Thanks, as always, for having me, Sean. Now, I will get onto the local sector shortly, but I went away for four or five weeks and I went away and I thought the US tech stocks were doing pretty well. I come back and they're like worth about 10% less. What's been going on there? I think whilst you're getting the volatility in rates, which is where you see movements across the board and tech stocks being most vulnerable to some of those movements, you're going to expect the volatility of up and down at least 10%, especially as well if you add to that the earnings seasons, which was, you know, August, which feels like a lifetime ago as we head into AGM season, but that also created a bit of volatility to the up and the downside. And then people start to think about where their positions is, some of our clients from the superannuation funds. And that's where I think you, again, see some of those larger moves. Okay, so let's just think, how should we be thinking about tech stocks at the moment? They're growth stocks. So given the current economic climate and we're kind of at or near the top of the interest rate cycle, how do we frame up tech stocks over the next six to 12 months? And this is generally, and in a moment we'll get into some specifics. Yeah, I think from that overarching standpoint, there's a few moving parts that go in hand there, but I think that you're probably not going to see as much of the swings to which you saw some of those lower buying opportunities, unless, of course, we see some inflation print go back to a a level that rises rates further than what we forecast. Whereas we, like you have just said, think that we're going to start to see a bit more stabilisation and that'll really just enable those tech stocks to find the level base and then to start to just deliver on what those fundamentals are within their businesses that create that organic drivers rather than being so macro orientated, which is a great news for me um, because that's the part of the job that I enjoy a lot more, picking those preferred stocks. Okay, so let's get into that. Wise Tech Global, what's happened? Everyone (laughs) loved Wise Tech Global 12 months ago. Look, it's still a very well-loved stock in some ways, but they probably didn't guide as well as they could have when it came to the margin pressure, which was going to come from the acquisitions. And we wrote a piece back in January, I think it was, that said about acquisition to deja vu in that we should expect margins to compress because that's generally what happens. And they made two of the biggest acquisitions ever that they've made since listing with Bloom and Embase. Yet, all of the consensus numbers didn't pull back where those EBITDA margins sat. And so they disappointed in the result. Looking forward, we still think there's probably a little bit of short-term risk, but the long-term story of this being um, one of our you know, Australian market darlings, I think that's still there. Um, and Richard White, the founder in there, is still just as great as ever in making those M&A transactions, taking out costs within the business, integrating them, and then driving that global growth delivery. You just mentioned something there. So for people not as familiar with markets, guidance, Um, you know, share prices move a lot on guidance. Just explain how important it is for a company to actually keep professional investors like yourself informed about what they're thinking. Yeah, it's a really great 
point to raise there because it's something I didn't understand when I first started in markets either. I thought, oh, this stock's, you know, it's it's beat by 20%. And then I thought the share price is down. I don't understand. So effectively what happens is if we are told from the management, so CEOs, CFOs, investor relations, that expectation is that, you know, guidance in their presentation will say, we think next year this company is going to grow, say, 20%. And then they deliver 19 or anything less than 20%, or even if us as the uh, investment community think that it's going to grow 25%, if it still grows that 20%, if that's our expectation, then we're going to be disappointed. And that's generally when you start to sell the shares, even if it has actually delivered on what even was said, it's kind of around the management of our expectations, as funny as that sounds. Yeah, I mean, but, but it is very important that managers manage investors' expectations, obviously they can't say too much. So it's kind of a fine line that they're treading. It's a very fine line and um, it's a really hard kind of component to decide what is right on that front. Stay with me, Elise. We'll be back in a minute. My guest today is Elise Kennedy, Head of Technology Research and Director of Equity Research at Jarden. Okay, so that's why it's Ted Global. Let's flip to the other side. REA, it's having a good run. REA and Domain are at the benefit of listings volume starting to return. So financial year to date, if listings, when we talk about that, the number of properties that are on the side, and that's how they make a, a, a clip of the ticket or a dollar. They're down nationally still around 3%, but what we're seeing is Sydney listings up 12% financial year today, and Melbourne also strong up 8%. And the key thing is those two capital cities, you spend a lot more on the house price listing there. So as they start to recover, it's actually much better than, say, somewhere like Adelaide or Perth recovering, even though they're still good markets. It's just a matter of those guys in those two capital cities have a very strong return. And so that's where you're seeing REA benefit from that. They've put through double digit price increases. Um, they've got some new depth products. So depth products are kind of new, higher, glossier photos or, or higher up listings. So all of that together is getting really, really strong growth. So we're really in a sweet spot at the moment. Another market, darling, which sort of seemed to come off but is doing okay again, is Zero, the accounting software group. Yeah, so they've under new leadership and uh, Sakinda's doing a fantastic job in terms of communicating with the investment community around the cost side of the business and delivering profitable growth um, as opposed to just growth at the top line. That's really what the market overall is actually seeking in an environment where rates are or the cost of debt is increasingly high that you don't want to have too much of that on your balance sheet and then funds from another standpoint of equity markets are also largely dried up. So she's really maximising the opportunity there. They've got their result coming up um, in November too. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not she speaks to the US opportunity in the TAM. I'm still sceptical, having just got back from the US, about that opportunity, but I know that investors will probably get behind it at least at first glance, given it is a large market over there. Okay, so talking about the US, we seem to have a bunch, well, you did, not so much now, a bunch of buy now, pay later groups that are listed here but seem to operate more in the US. What about the buy now, pay later plays here? I mean, Zipco, Sezzle, that crowd. It's a really, really hard space for them at the moment. The consumer, as you've seen with the retail names, has started to dry up. It'll be hard into Christmas. And, you know, there is some favourable dynamics that work at play with regards to sometimes you might need to have that buy now, pay later as an option. 
and this is the time of year that they are most used. But in saying that, you're, again, cost of capital to fund that is increasingly hard. And these are riskier stocks that I think probably aren't getting as much interest as they used to. And you've seen something similar when it comes to even Block. Mm. Block, of course, being the owner of Afterpay nowadays. The other one I just wanted to ask you about, and I love this, Elise, every time we talk, we just run through stocks. Uh, Seek, that seems to me a pretty volatile stock, really. goes up and down quite a bit. Yeah, I was pushing Seek as a long-term buy for a a long period of time, and I still see a lot of favourable characteristics in this business. The challenge is the jobs market has started to slow, but even beyond that, I've always said if the jobs market slows, it's about let's manage our cost base. What we've seen is that they haven't managed perhaps some of the cost base as I would have liked and the market would have liked to have seen because they put in a lot of investment through the favourable cycle of the jobs being you know, so in favour of them through COVID. But now as we're starting to go into a softer jobs market, those costs aren't necessarily coming out as aggressively or they're not realising some of the synergy benefits which should come from investment that we would have expected. So hopefully we see that later on throughout the year and it's just conservative guidance, but it's one that we're watching very closely. Okay, so we've talked about WiseTech Global, we've talked about Zero, we've talked about the buy now, pay later groups, um, REA and Domain, we'll put them in the same boat, Seek, any that you particularly prefer over others? At the moment, we've got a buy on Seek. I just see there's a lot more value there and it hasn't really had that opportunity. We're still we're still positive on, on WiseTech and Zero, just see a bit of near-term risk and valuation is a bit more challenging, but who knows, we might get another opportunity. If they do sell down, that's probably where you start to get more interesting levels, but they're pretty, pretty high um, at the moment. Okay, I said I wasn't going to ask about another one, but I am because I'm interested in car sales. I find the car market really fascinating at the moment, particularly with the EV market coming in. Where's that one sit? Yeah, it's an absolutely great point on that EV market and what that's going to do as a disruptor. But I think we're still relatively early stage, particularly in Australia. Casas just had their investor day um, over in San Francisco and a lot of us, including myself, um, investors went over for that. I think the bigger delta now, interestingly, is that US market. So that even though the Australian market's doing well, it's kind of like hard to change the dynamics there unless, mm. as you rightly put, the EV market comes and disrupts the business model to which they operate. But I think that's going to be a slow burn and they'll probably try and jump on that trade in whatever way they can, i.e. if you're just going to be trading exactly the same way privately in the market, your own EV cars, it's probably going to be a different length of time that you turn over the cars, but still those dynamics will be at play. In the in the near term is going to be what happens with the Business Trader Interactive that they bought last year, um, which doesn't sell cars, but it does sell, you know, motorbikes, RVs, camper vans, uh, a few of those. It's it's kind of um, turns over some of that. And I think they're doing some really interesting things over in that market at the moment. A lot of that, again, though, is priced into the share price. So it's got to really deliver. But I think management is very good at doing that. And um, I know we spoke earlier just around management and the guidance. I think that they're very good at kind of tempering expectations and, you know, guiding us to where the share price is going to go. I have to ask you, Elise, an investor day in San Francisco that I went to, is that great fun or is it just work? 
<laughs> it is actually a bit of fun. I do love mm-hmm. our job. I feel fortunate um, to be able to balance the, the two of them. But look, there was a lot of product that came out of that and a lot of insights and a lot of sitting in a room and hearing about the different products. But no, there was some um, fun times and a great group of people over there too. Nicely answered, Elise. Thank you for talking to Fear and Green. Thanks as always for having me, Sean. That was Elise Kennedy, Head of Technology Research and Director of Equity Research at Jarden. This is the Fear and Greed Business Interview. Remember, this is general information only, and you should always seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's best business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.